Hi, I'm Wayne Heinsohn, the pastor of Grace Church Australia. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. We hope it is inspirational and it equips you to make known the name of Jesus. You can stay connected with us during the week by going to gracegathering.online. Well, this month, church, we've been sharing about the King of Kings. The Holy Spirit has had us move month by month into um, just one theme at a time. And um, so this month for June is Missions Month, but it has been King of Kings. And I've loved being able to share about him in that way because um, we've learned that he is the, um, he was the King of the Jews. He was the one born King of the Jews. And, um, and the next one was, I've gone, gone, totally gone out of my head. The next one was um, Victory of the King. And then Wayne shared powerfully last week from Haggai, about our, the glory of the king. I love that. He, he did really well. And then um, this morning I want to talk to you about the returning king. There is so much that I could share with you about our beautiful king because he does reign. He reigns over heaven and earth. And so this morning we just finish up our last week of June with the returning king. And so... As we know and we've been learning over this year, we know that Jesus, our beautiful saviour, came into this world at his appointed time in history. He, didn't, it, he wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a mistake about sin and things like that. Jesus was appointed a time in history to reign over the kingdom of God. He came in, he was born as king of the Jews, but there was an appointed time for him and so God's plan all along was for our beautiful Jesus to come and to reign. That's the plan, was for him to reign, to come into his appointed time in history and to reign. But not just over the earth, but to reign over the heavens and the earth. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. And so we know that when Jesus came <clears throat> into his appointed time, and through his life, he then, um, when he died, he took back the authority that was stolen from Adam and Eve in the garden. He took back the kingdom. He took back the authority of the kingdom of God. And so um, we read about in the Bible many, many times. It's prophesied about Jesus many times. Um, and his role was prophesied for many generations for many generations, we read about it in the Old Testament, before he came into this world. And so we're going to just have a look at Isaiah 9, verse 6 to 7 first. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I want you to just speak that last sentence. I talked about it last week. I want you to speak it out this morning. Whatever your situation you're going through today, I want you to say with me, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. 
declare the word of God into your situation today. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So Jesus was prophesied many generations before he came into this world. But if we look even further back, so yes, we read about it in the Old Testament that he was prophesied, the Messiah was to come. But if we look even further back, we see that God's plan has always been Jesus. So we read about him, the prophet, the prophets foretold about him. But God's plan for Jesus was always um, in place. Let's put it that way. From even before the foundation of the earth. Before the earth was created in the way that we know and we live here, Jesus was the plan. And so let's look at 1 Peter 1, 20 to 21. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last time, last times for the sake of you. Think about that for a second, church. What a beautiful scripture. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Jesus has always been the plan. Let's look at Romans 16, 25 to 27. Now all glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as my good news says. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now, as the prophets foretold, and as the eternal God has commanded, before the foundation of the world, the eternal God commanded, and then the prophets foretold, this plan of redemption, this plan for the Gentiles and the Israelites to be God's people. But now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Two great scriptures, there's many others, that tell us Jesus was the plan before the foundation of the world. And if we think about that for just even a small amount of time, how special, how amazing, how glorious is the heart of the Father. Church. Before the world was even created, before the prophets even foretold, before anything was formed, our God thought of you. Our God thought of you. That's our God. Overwhelming love for people. That's the heart of the Father. So God's plan for Jesus, he's not, was not short-sighted. He wasn't, oh, playing catch-up from the Garden of Eden. Sin's come in now, what? oh, I better do something. He's not short-sighted. He's creator. And he had a plan from the beginning. And so 
Jesus was never just going to be a ruler here on earth. He wasn't just going to be born king of the Jews. He was to be born king of heavens and the earth. God's not short-sighted. God sees the end game. He sees the long end game. How good is our God? And God's plan for Jesus was that he would reign as king forever, eternally, over the heavens and the earth. And our beautiful saviour succeeded. And he has the victory. And he has the victory. He is victorious. And that's why we worshipped him like that this morning, why we declared, all hail King Jesus. Because he is victorious. He does sit at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he rules the heavens and the earth. And so we as believers should walk declaring him king in our lives and surrendering to him as king in our lives. That's the hard part sometimes. When things don't go our way or we go through stuff in life. It's that surrendering again and again to our King. Let's look at Mark 14, 61 to 62. But Jesus was silent and made no reply. This is from the New Testament. Then the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. This was when Jesus was before the high priest and they were condemning him. And the, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the one the prophets foretold about? Are you him? And Jesus says, I love it. I am. That's the name of God. And when we look at its meaning, I love it, I exist. That's what it means. When he says, I am, I exist. The thing that God had promised, the covenant that he had promised, the plan for Jesus that he had promised, and the high priest asks him, are you that promise? I exist. Come on, church. He's standing there. I exist. I am. That's our God. That's God's plan. I love it. It's so exciting. It says, are you the one we have been waiting for? Are you the one the generations have foretold? Are you the plan before the foundation of the world? Are you him? I am. I exist. That's how God, and in the Greek um, that I am, there is E-I-M-I, I me, and it means was, is, and will be. Was, is, and will be. So when Jesus stood there before the high priest and he said, I am, I was before the foundation of the world. I am right here, right now, standing before you. And I will be forever, eternal, covenant with our God. And I love that the I am leads us back to God's name. Because our God 
Yahweh, covenant-keeping God, the Lord God. It's tied to covenant, church. He stands before the high priest and he says, I am. And we know that he's silent a lot of the other times, but when he speaks, he says, I am, I exist. The covenant is here. How amazing. I exist. The covenant is standing before you now. That's what he was saying, I am. Eternal covenant that God has. I exist. How cool is that? The covenant is standing before the high priest. Jesus is the covenant. And he was standing before the high priest declaring, I am. How cool is our God. <laughs> so church, I hope I've got it up the right spot there, yep. So remember church, I want you to remember this. These were Jesus' words before he died. These were Jesus' words before he had actually obtained victory at the cross. So there was a plan in place before he died. I am. The covenant is here. Before he endured the cross and before he died, the plan for victory was already set in place by our beautiful Heavenly Father. Before the foundation of the world, the plan for victory was Jesus that Jesus would crush the enemy and restore the kingdom. Would crush the enemy and restore the kingdom. The kingdom has been restored. We live under the new covenant of grace. The kingdom has been restored. There is a king. He sits at the right hand of the Father because he is worthy. Because his blood and his body was the perfect sacrifice. And he sits at the right hand of the Father because of that victory. He fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. All that the law said man could not live up to, Jesus lived up to it and fulfilled it. And that's why he has the victory. No one else, can, no one else is worthy. We know that. No one else is worthy. We read about that in Revelation. There is no one worthy to open the scroll. But the Lamb of God, Jesus, is worthy. He is the covenant. He is the covenant. He exists. And because he was able to fulfill those righteous requirements, then he legally obtained the authority to be king of kings because his blood was enough, his body was enough. And so legally, under the justice of our God, he legally was able to obtain king of kings and to sit down. To sit down at the right hand of the Father and declare the work is finished. Oh, Jesus is so amazing, church. His body and his blood was offered as an unblemished lamb for the redemption of all of humankind. His sacrifice was sufficient. He is enough. And he would not have been able to sit down 
if it wasn't. He wouldn't have been able to sit and be crowned king of kings in the throne room of God if his body and his blood were not enough. If he didn't fulfill the righteous requirements of the law, then he could not sit down because the work would be a continual sacrifice again and again and again, as it had been throughout history a sacrifice daily over and over and over, a covering. But because he sat down, because he presented his blood in the Holy of Holies as perfect sacrifice, he was able to sit down and God was able to crown him King of Kings and declare him King of Kings and Lord of Lords, King of the heavens and the earth. His body and his blood was enough, church. And so... When he, sac- when, he's, when he was a sacrifice, he was a sacrifice. Um, the life that we know was in his blood. The life that brought him back, to, back to, um, from the death, from death, from the grave, brought him back to life, was found in his blood. And that bloodline came from God the Father. We read about it in the Bible. God the Father, his conception was by the Holy Spirit, It was not a natural father. So his conception was from the Holy Spirit and it ensured resurrection life after the grave. His blood ensured that he could come alive again because it was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. We have natural blood. It can't do anything for us. But he had the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in his blood, because his bloodline was from God, the Father. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and that's how he came alive, church. I want us to look at that verse 62 there, because it just says, coming on the clouds of heaven, and that clouds there also refers us back to God, the Father, And the high priest, as Jesus stood there and declared um, that scripture, uh, I I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. He spoke that to the high priest. The high priest would have been very much aware what clouds referred to. It's a reference to God, a reference to God the Father, because God led the people by a cloud. And God, when, when um, the cloud was over the tabernacle, that meant God's presence was there. So when Jesus stood before the high priest and said, I am, and then referred to the clouds, the high priest would have known, wow, what's he saying? He's not God? What? But that's a reference for us to find in the word God, uh, word church that he led the people through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud, that his presence was in the temple when there was a cloud above the tabernacle. Jesus is the Son of God. I am. I exist. The covenant is here. And he's telling us and he's coming on the clouds of heaven. So we'll read that scripture now. We know that he ascended to heaven into the clouds. We read about it in the Gospels. Let's read actually in Acts first. Acts 
1 verse 9 till 11. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him. How amazing is that? He didn't just go up into the clouds. Here is the Spirit of God, the glory of God received him. Let's read it, church. And the cloud received him out of their sight. The glory of God took him into heaven. The cloud, God's presence. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So we know that Jesus ascended into the clouds. The cloud received him. The glory of God received him and took him up into the throne room. Took him up into the throne room where he was crowned king of kings. And we know that he will return on the clouds. Revelation 1 verse 7 to 8. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Here's a reference again. I am the one who was before the foundation of the world, the one who is and the one who is to come. He is going to return, church. This is not a story. Our King of Kings will return. Our King of Kings will return. I am the one who, who is, who always was, and who is still to come, and he will return on the clouds of heaven. And we see that connection to covenant again. I am, I exist, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That is our God, that is our beautiful Jesus. That is the covenant church. You see, church, Jesus was the plan for victory before the foundation of the world. And when we understand that, we can be secure that God has got it. Before we were even thought of, the plan was already in place. Jesus said, I will go. I will wait for my appointed time and I will go. Send me, God. Send me, Father. And if we have eyes to see, we see that the entire Bible tells us this outstanding love of the Father. He has a heart for all of humankind. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. That is the heart of the Father. That is the very heart of the Father. I will be their God, and they will be my people. That's the covenant. 
That's what we've been talking about for the last few months over this year. We talked about the blood covenant. That's what it is. I will be their God and they will be my people. You are his people. And he is our God. Amen. And we read it, the prophecy, um, we read about the prophecy um, and in this promised covenant in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. God's new covenant was not going to be written on stone. God's new covenant was going to be written and made of flesh. Jesus is the covenant. He is the covenant. Isaiah 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He's the promise, the Messiah. Are you the one that we have been waiting for? He stands before the high priest. I am. I exist. I am the covenant. That's what he was saying. It's not a covenant to be written on tablets of stone. It's a covenant in the flesh of the Saviour. That's the covenant, the blood covenant we have. Emmanuel, God with us. A fulfilment, and I love this, a fulfilment of that intimate communion with Creator. That's what the covenant is, intimate communion with Creator through His Son. Through His Son. Jesus was an outworking of the Father's heart, the flesh of the Father's heart. God with us, Emmanuel. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Jesus is the covenant. And if we read again in Matthew 1.22 to 23, we see that scripture in Isaiah, Behold, a son is to come. Isaiah prophesied, Behold, the Messiah. Behold, the son. A child is going to be given. And if we read in the New Testament now in Matthew 1, 22 to 23, we read, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. The Bible tells us Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy. Jesus is the fulfillment, and Jesus himself says that before the high priest, I am the one. And we know for most of the time when Jesus stood before anyone, when he was persecuted before um, any of the rulers of Pharisees, he hardly said anything. And what he does say, does say is, I am. The one that you have been foretold, I am him. God with us, the flesh. 
and the final fulfillment of God with us. Because the Bible is all about God with us. That's all it is. There is a plan before time. This plan is going to come. It's foretold by the prophets. He's going to come. He's going to come. He's here. He does this. He does this. He's king. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. That is all that the Bible is about. God with us. A fulfillment of Emmanuel. God with us. Because he loves us. God loves us. And before the foundation of the world, the plan was Jesus. The covenant was the body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh, dwelling with us. And so the final fulfillment of God with us will be found in the new Jerusalem, where we we will be forever in God's presence as his people. Revelation 21, 2-3. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Can you see a theme, church? They will be my people and I will be their God. They will be my people and I will be their God. God with us. And the fulfillment of that God with us is when there is a new Jerusalem, when God himself dwells with us. The majesty of heaven dwells with us. I love it. That verse 3 is amazing. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. We can declare that right now. I know there's a further fulfillment, but we can declare that right now because we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. God dwells among us right now, church. When you ask Jesus into your heart, you confessed and you believed. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so God does right now in every believer, he dwells intimately in here. The covenant is in here. He dwells within us, church. God is all about covenant. You are his people. You are his people. You are his child. You are beloved. You are beloved. That is him. That is our God. And I want us to understand that God the Father is in covenant with God the Son. Nothing I can say or do disturbs the covenant. Nothing I say or do breaks the covenant because the covenant isn't with me. The covenant is with our God the Father and God the Son. Because Jesus died on the cross, his sacrifice was enough. And it's his sacrifice that God accepts, not mine. Not my daily maybe groveling to him or asking for forgiveness. Nothing, not, not, nothing to do with me. Because the promise was before the foundation of the world, church. 
If it relied on me, God would be waiting till I did something good. The covenant is between God the Father and God the Son, and I enter into covenant by accepting the Saviour. If I don't accept the Saviour, I'm not in God. I'm not in covenant with God. But if I accept what Jesus did, if I accept that Jesus was the plan before the world was created, if I accept that God's heart was so for me that I accept Jesus' sacrifice is enough, then I enter into covenant. I enter in through the flesh. The Bible says the veil of Jesus' body is like the veil. I enter into the throne room through Jesus' body. I enter into the throne room church through Jesus' body. And then I see the blood. I see his blood. And Jesus' Jesus' blood is enough. And when I enter into the throne room through Jesus' body and I see the blood, Jesus' blood, and I say, I'm in covenant now. I accept the body. I accept the blood. I accept you as my saviour. And now I'm in covenant with God. The covenant is not mine. The covenant is between God and God, our God and our Saviour. And I enter in to that beautiful intimacy with our Heavenly Father through Jesus. Jesus, we know he is the way. He is the only way. He is the only way to enter in to the throne room with God. So Jesus, the Son of God, is actually the embodiment of the covenant. He is the covenant. If I want to enter into a relationship with God, I must enter in through Jesus. I must enter in through the covenant, through Jesus. He's the embodiment of the covenant. And remember, church, it's an eternal covenant and it will never be broken because it is between our God and our Saviour. And that gives me security. I am secure in Christ because it is not a covenant that I have to uphold. I don't have to uphold anything. I just have to receive Jesus as Lord. And we enter into that beautiful relationship with God and our beautiful Saviour when we receive Jesus' sacrifice as reality. As something that's personal to me. And every man, woman and child has to do it. Every man, woman and child has to ask Jesus to be their Saviour for themselves. And then we enter into that beautiful, intimate communion with God. And we move from eternal death and we enter into eternal life. And we celebrate because our Saviour thought of me. It's personable. It's personal, church. It's personal, church. It's personal, church. It's with Jesus' flesh God will dwell with us it's personal and when we realize that Jesus died for me personally when we realize that his sacrifice was for me personally 
then we enter into covenant and we're saved. We're saved because we receive him personally, God with us. And we become secure church. I'm never doubting, am I saved? If I, oh my goodness, I did something wrong today. Am I saved? Where's my salvation? Oh no. I enter in because the covenant is secure. I enter in through Christ and I am secure because it has nothing to do with me. And I go, wow. I'm in the throne room because you love me. Because Jesus was enough. Let's look at Ephesians 1, verse 13 to 14. And you also were included in Christ. You are included in Christ. Included in Christ. How did I enter into relationship with God? I moved in through Christ. I am included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. I am included in Christ. I can't get to the Father any other way. I can't get into that intimate throne room with our beautiful heavenly Father and know him as my God unless I enter in through Jesus. And you are included in Christ, church. Secure, hidden in Christ, church. In Christ, when I ask him into my heart. goes on to say, who is a whole, the Holy Spirit? Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory? You are God's possession. You are secure in him. In the blood covenant that Jesus purchased for you, you are secure in him, church. You would not be able to be sealed with the Holy Spirit if that was not the case. The Holy Spirit would stay in the heavenlies. Unless Jesus' blood and body were enough, the Holy Spirit would stay in the heavenlies. But God says, you are included in Christ. And now I can mark you and seal you as God's possession. And the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us and he's our counsellor, he's our friend, he's our teacher, he's our guide, he's our shalom, peace. And we walk with him and he shows us things in the Bible and he reveals truth and revelation and we walk around with the covenant inside of us because God wants to dwell with people. And how much closer can God dwell with people than to actually seal you with the Holy Spirit? You are secure in covenant, church. He loves you so much. You are God's possession, his people. And Jesus is victorious. Jesus is king. 
He is king of kings and he is returning one day to reign. He reigns already from heaven, but he is returning. It tells us in the Bible he is returning in the same way that he went. The glory of God will come down and every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That is what is going to happen. That is not a story. That is the truth. That is our king. He is king of kings. Revelation 19, 16 tells us, On his robe and on his thigh he has his name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. I love that passage of scripture. I didn't want to read all of it. I will probably next time I share. But it says that he's wearing a robe dipped in blood. Your covenant, church. He is returning because he is the covenant. He is returning because he was the plan before the foundation of the world that God would be with us. And then it says there, on his robe and on his thigh, to make covenant with someone in the Israelite culture was to put your hand under their thigh and make covenant. It tells us their church, on his robe, dipped in blood, blood covenant. It tells us, on his thigh, that's where covenant was made. In the natural, you would put your hand under someone's thigh and make a declaration of covenant together, a promise with someone else under, his, under their thigh. And that's what it's telling us there, church. There is covenant, there is covenant, there is covenant, there is covenant, there is covenant because he is king of kings and lord of lords. There is a covenant. You are in covenant with our God and he is returning. To hear more podcasts from Grace Church Australia, make sure you subscribe and stay connected by going to gracegathering.online.